0: Welcome to the Alt Feminine Backstage with Ana and Deb. Today, I, Deb, Arana, I'm going to be interviewing my cohort, my co-creator of the Alt Feminine Movement, um, Ana Hyatt. I'm super excited to introduce her to you. A lot of you know her. She's a combination of scientist, poet, country girl, dancer, and master movement educator. She's also a wife and a mom. With a university degree degree and two years spent working on her thesis, she left her original life's planned path and slipped into an original love, dance. So that's when she and I met, right before taking a crazy leap into the pole dance world. So let's get at it. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy to be here with you this morning and to be... Uh, the facilitator of your or your interviewer today i know know a lot but i don't know everything about you um so let's get started okay and i want to start so i met you right after you left school so you had Mm -hmm. gotten your degree um and that was at santa cruz all right.
1: Yeah.
0: And then you went into the grad program and you were working on your thesis. Mm
1: hmm. <laughs>
0: and what were those two years like for you? Was it.
1: <sighs> it was such a it's such a blur in so many ways. But um, I'll tell you this. When I drive past San Francisco State to go see you in Pacifica or. Just drive south. I still get like a sick, sad feeling in my belly. I'm like, oh, that place. Um, I was living in the sunset, and um, you know, I, I, it's and just like everything in life, it's not all bad. It's not all good. I'm so glad I did it, but um, yeah, I was working a lot and going to grad school in a very competitive program that I'd worked so hard to get into, um, my mind was being blown academically all the time and having, like, really amazing, intense discussions about history and literature and race and class and ethnicity and identity and just getting super deep into Nietzsche and Derrida and Foucault. I mean, stuff that was it's super formative to how I view the world um it was great it was a really great time in my life and then you know it just but it was it was such a shell you know and the timing of that happening um as I was a you know a young adult early early mid-20s it just wasn't what I was supposed to be doing is how I see it now um but knowing me you know I don't quit anything. And um, it's the I was thinking back, I think it's the only thing I've ever quit in my entire life.
0: Hmm.
1: Besides breakups, you know, which were hard for me to do, too. I'm always hanging it on to the last minute there. So when I think about leaving school, um, I just feel like an outer force an inner force, some other higher part of me, just picked me up on my little chessboard of life and moved me because I wouldn't have made that decision really consciously. Um, I had I had some tragedy go on in my family. I had a, a young little cousin in a car accident die, and I went to her funeral, and that just broke me apart. I felt like the emotions that I'd been not dealing with for two years just came out, and it was the catalyst for my... kind of, I guess, a breakdown where everything I'd been doing and paying attention to felt really meaningless. Mm-hmm. Um, I had no relationships to kind of anchor me. And that's what I really see now is that I, I had one really wonderful friend who was also floating around in the stratosphere of academic life and um, having all her own issues. But when I needed wisdom, when I needed a mentor or an, um, an ally, you know, someone who really saw me for more than just a good student. Um, I just didn't have that in that program. Um, it was very dry. It was a women's studies program where I was focusing on transnational feminist issues. It was very cool and very traditional and masculine in its approach. And I had no relationships to keep me grounded in that space so I left I, flo- I floated away um so yeah you're
0: saying that you didn't did you not think that you could take that and segue into a, a life of your choosing from that
1: um I think I had no clue what kind of life it would bring for me at a certain point it would, you know, when you're in the academic world, it's all about writing, publishing, being recognized for your work, getting a professorship or an associate professorship. And so being willing to kind of go anywhere where, you know, Kentucky or Nebraska or wherever. um, And it's like this never ending quest for greater recognition, greater accolades, a better um, fellowship, you know, and I don't think I really knew that going into grad school. You know, I come from a family that, you know, I have the highest level of education in my family. It was very important for me to go to college. My parents had no (laughs) desire for me to go to grad school. That was all me pushing myself. So I Mm -hmm. didn't really know the game. You know, I stumbled into this game of academia thinking, I'm smart, I'm talented, I'm interested in this stuff, I'm a good writer, but it requires... A, just a whole nother level of game playing that I didn't even know I'd have to do and you know it, it really was just not for me and a lot of academics feel that way you know a lot of academics don't want to play that game and it's it's hard to figure out what you're going to do if you don't keep playing the game because academia is so outside of reality you know like what will I do with this philosophy degree <laughs> like besides teach philosophy right
0: well, yeah. I mean, it seems like it's about education. It's about your education, and it's about sharing what you know with the next generation who want to be educated. Yeah, in that subject,
1: it is. Um, but it's it, but it's also not. It blows. <laughs> yeah, yeah it feels boxed in. For yeah, sure. yeah. I think um, I think experience and wisdom really need to come part and parcel with the high-minded learning, and, you know, there isn't really that in place at the academic level. So hopefully you enter with a team, you know, hopefully you do it when you're a little older, You've got some life experience, and you have some wisdom, and you have some grounding to support you through something so heady and unsettling as doing a graduate program um, in that type of field. I think it's different. Mm-hmm. I mean, different subjects yep. are different, and different institutions are different. But without that, you know, it really feels feels like a really lonely endeavor. Um, I felt really cut off from my body, cut off from my happiness, cut off from the feeling of being grounded, like the feeling of putting barefoot in the soil, smelling rain, gardening, dancing, like anything sensual, anything real mm-hmm. and immediate. I mean, I was just not there for two years. And it's the worst I've ever felt mentally. And, and I was pretty bad physically just in terms of being really out of shape and disconnected from myself. But that's why when I look back on the choice to leave, I'm like, it wasn't even really a choice. It just happened and I followed mm-hmm. it and I felt really guilty about it for a long time. Um, and now I just see it as like that some internal intuitive mechanism of myself or the universe, like it just moved me. I just said, No, don't no, just go over here now. That's enough. So it was painful,
0: but was great.
1: You.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It was a good lesson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A good lesson. And definitely your your education and your foray into that subject was not for naught.
1: Oh, it was it's great. That- yeah. I mean,
0: it's still continuing to serve you and you're continuing to expand on it.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: So that's right right about when we met.
1: Yeah.
0: Right about when we heard of this new sensation of pole dancing and such. And um, I want to ask you what... What was your first pole dance class like
1: for you? What was your takeaway from that? Uh, I mean, I'll give you my body memory first. My body Mm -hmm. memory is stiff, angular, tight, constricted. (laughs) And my mind was saying, what? No. Ew. Mm -hmm. I don't like this. So I had a Mm -hmm. lot of judgment. I had a lot of. Probably fear, because there was judgment. Um, I had a lot of doubt. I really did not have a great experience that very first class. Um, no. No. You know, it's funny. People who we, who I teach are always really surprised to hear that. They sort of imagine me as, like, falling like a goddess into a river of sensuality so easily, <laughs> you know? No. I, I was dragged kicking and screaming into the world um, of pull dance, <laughs> yeah totally yeah
0: um so then from there you were asked to teach yeah and how did that how did they entice you what made you decide yeah this is what I want to do
1: um it was another one of those moments of you know I, I really think I was just being, being carried by mm. intuition, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I was, that was a very lost moment for me. I had mm. let go of a big part of who I thought I was. And so I think I just had an openness to new ideas that I wouldn't have had if my other plans were working out, you know, it really was an example of like, you know, a door closes, another one opens. I didn't necessarily want to walk through any doors. I was very shut down at the moment. But, mm. um, you know, I have, no matter no matter how deeply lost I've been, you know, I really believe in my intuition. I believe in my intuitive heart. And it's more and more, it's so, so much stronger now because I listen to it more consciously. But even when I've been very deaf to it, it, it finds its way. So... You know, I think, sure, a feminist studies background, a, a dance background, I mean, sure, I think pole dancing sounds like a very good way to put those things together, um, if I were to just look at it logically. So I was open to that, but mm-hmm. I was uh, filled with doubt, filled with fear of change, and, and a lot of judgment. And and yeah, you know I mean, if the people who were not asking me i tr- i trusted the people you know bringing me into this world, um one of them being our shared friend Melissa mm-hmm. um you know, had that trust not been there, I probably wouldn't have done it, so it was it was you know trusting somebody and trusting my intuition, and that was it. I just was saying yes to the unknown, yeah,
0: well, you are um Melissa used you as an example, you know. When she asked me, she said, "Well, well, Anna's doing it," and I went, "Oh, <laughs> okay." And, I mean, you and I are have a pretty big age difference, but I we do. You know, you and I, we, we do. <laughs> I took to you instantly and recognized in you this um, very smart creative spirit. So I saw that as a, a pretty good indicator that this would be kind of a, a good thing to try. I have another question for you in regards to all that um, pole dancing business, because that, as you know, is our, uh, our vehicle. Mm-hmm. When did you realize or when did you feel like you could redesign the narrative of pole dance class as pertains to what
1: you and I do in the Mm. alt-feminine? I think that's been sort of a gradual process. Mm -hmm. It's been, it's really been through the conversations I've had with my fellow teachers. So, I mean, I think I've spent maybe just as much time talking about teaching, talking about pole dancing, sensual movement transformation and women as I have, inside the classroom actually teaching it so i view those conversations with you you know with with shannon in the early days um as as like the 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 classroom behind the classroom like my my te- mm-hmm. it's the teacher's room <laughs> mm-hmm. where we were making sense of this as we taught it you know what is happening in these rooms? You know, I I was given a certain curriculum and given a certain point of view and okay, go teach. And, you know, thrown in the deep end and I did my best. Um, I. I mean, I look at it so differently now, like what my job is in terms of teaching. It's, it's such a different mission than I think I ever had in the beginning. And that came through the the classroom behind the classroom, the teacher's room, the the conversations with fellow teachers about, wow, are you seeing this? Like, this is incredible. Like, what are you? And, And that was where all the doubt and fear and judgment, it was just going away as I tapped into the real thing that was witnessing women dance, helping women learn these movements, conversations before and after class hearing their stories watching them emote watching them change um watching them freak out and get really mad and walk away I mean every single emotion was present and it was like this laboratory of Mm. life to get to teach that many classes that many women for that many years and yet and be in such close proximity to these other really talented teachers namely you know you being always my my confidant and um Shannon and I were always very close um Shannon Burke who now Mm -hmm. lives up in Portland um you know just chewing on what we were seeing that was that was how the transformation started was was that collaboration with you guys and and my own life experience, just getting older um, and, and changing my perspective about what it means to teach. And I think I had to really unlearn uh, the model I was given, which is a very top-down model. Like, it's inside me, and then I'm going to show you, and now you know. <laughs> Instead of, mm-hmm. like, so, you know, sure. I'm, like, a little obsessed with Ram Dass always and especially Mm. right now and he has this he has this quote that I think is really like a really guiding principle for me in general and definitely in my teaching which is uh you have no moral authority or right to relieve anyone of their suffering all you can do is be the environment for if they want to come up for air and be free you're not going to push them back down and and Mm. that's that's it instead of forcing anyone to become or unbecome anything i'm just allowing which is much harder to do honestly it's easier to take a curriculum that's a cookie cutter and hope that these certain special magic words are going to produce a result but the truth is everybody's coming in at their own rate their own their own level of of evolution um there's no right or wrong there's no hierarchy to it it's just it is what it is And Mm -hmm. if I can attune my vibration correctly to the group, if I can see people for who they are, if I can get rid of my own judgment and replace it with appreciation, that's me making the environment where if they want to come up for air, I'm going to, they're going to come up for air and they're going to transform themselves, which is so much Mm -hmm. more lasting and beautiful and satisfying to help facilitate and it's really got nothing to do with me. I'm just there making the space for it to happen. Mm-hmm. And, and that's how I see the teaching now. So that's been the, through the teacher's room of, you know, just chewing on the transformation that was happening, you know, figuring out what is it, what is it that we are doing or shouldn't do to, to let this happen more beautifully, more naturally. Uh, what are we doing? And, and that's what it is.
0: It's almost like being a mom, oh, yeah. In, yeah, letting your kids make their mistakes and being there for them and giving them the tools to make their own discoveries.
1: I totally agree. It's, it's so tempting when you know something to want to mm-hmm. make someone else know what you know. And really, you know, that's just, just, just your ego. <laughs> it really is. And yeah. it might even come from a really loving place. But, you know, any attempt to tell someone what their archetype is or, you know, like all this kind of Freudian analysis of, um, you know, what is truthfully inside of you and let me reveal it. I-, I think it's smoke and mirrors and I think it has nothing to do with, with other than just ego, ego talking to ego. Um, if mm-hmm. I create an environment where I'm the new person to please. Um, if that person's trying to get out of their whatever their traps are and mm-hmm. and I and I make myself the goal and my pleasing and what I think is correct and what I think is beautiful, mm-hmm. then you know we're just jumping from one trap into another
0: mm-hmm. and
1: um, I've done that <laughs> I've totally done that in classes and felt the wrongness of it and felt how unsatisfying it is for everybody and that and that's been the process is letting go of feeling like I know something that I must make you know also it it's really so different
0: it's so enlightening and it's really great to speak on that um also so that people know there is a method to the madness. I mean, it's a method, truly is method of letting go in the classes. It's, it's fantastic.
1: Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, I feel so renewed. The classes have become so much, I mean, it's so different, but when I teach now, I mean, I feel more connected to the universe. I feel inspired. I feel, Mm -hmm. I don't feel drained. Um, sure. I might feel tired in my body. I need to rest, but, um, when I'm just allowing everyone to do the work they need to do and you know, we're all in it together in a way, it's such a different feeling than having to hold all the knowledge as the puppet master of a teacher, you know, Mm -hmm. like that's just such an exhausting role to put yourself in. And, um, you know, if I'm the person who knows, then I need people who don't know. And, you know everybody mm-hmm. knows what they know and it's it's just such it's such a relief to get out of that paradigm and i mean that's what i think the alt feminine really i mean we teach uh, these movements are timeless they are ancient they are permute you know the permutations of how your body can move are just you know infinite you can't catalog mm-hmm. how the body can move all you can do is be open to its flow And so getting open to that flow is really what we teach. And it's such a relief to have a paradigm that allows the freedom to just let people come at it. However, they need to come at it. They receive guidance, a lot of guidance. Mm -hmm. um, But it's, it's it's just a different way of allowing things to open. And so I feel like instead of like ripping it open and forcing it to be a certain shape, it's just letting it open.
0: Mm-hmm. So fabulous. Um, I want to know also, why do you think we still need to have the pole in the studio with us? I mean, we're talking about movement and talking about allowing women the freedom to move in their own natural way exploring, mm-hmm. you know, their own um, their own edges, their own parameters, what they're capable of physically, emotionally, and spiritually. Why do you think it's important for us to continue to have polls in our classes?
1: Gosh, it's such a good question. And I you know, this it, it you know, it this is such a good question, Deb, because we get this question not only from ourselves, because we wonder why, why do we need the pole? (laughs) Um, Or we get it from the, the very, you know, enraged people who think it's um, subjugation of women and, you know, using this stripper symbol is demeaning. And like, why do that? You know, if you want to empower women, why bring this stripper symbol in? Right. So there's that question too. And I think there's lots of different answers. I mean, I think the stripper symbol of the pole is actually really good. I think it's a great place for women to start. It's It can be triggering. It can create a lot of fear. It can create a lot of um, judgment. And I think when you put that symbol in a safe environment outside of actually being in a place where you may or may not feel subjugated, um, you have the opportunity to face a lot of Mm. demons. You have the opportunity to face a lot of your own judgment around yourself, your sexuality, other women's sexuality. So that's Mm. one purpose I think it serves is to kind of loosen up the, the mind knots that we have around female sexuality as it is portrayed by Our society, as it is consumed by, you know, the patriarchal paradigm, you know, we can just kind of take this very symbolic, you know, full of energy symbol that is the pole, and just loosen our understanding of what it can be, because it's it's really just, you know, a piece of metal. (laughs) That's what it really Mm -hmm. is. All this meaning Mm -hmm. about it—it's such a simple design, but it has so Mm -hmm. much meaning, and I think that's why it's important everyone's got all these attachments and i think as they undo the attachments they start to work with them a little bit you know i see women who really get a lot out of playing out a certain fantasy of being a stripper of being viewed by men and for them that can be a very liberating beautiful process that gives them a lot of juice in their life I see a lot Mm -hmm. of women totally forget that it ever was part of that and use it 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 ends up looking like a tree or a maple or you Mm -hmm. know it has this nature symbol to it so I see the pole actually change its identity with every woman Mm -hmm. that comes and touches it you Mm -hmm. know it's Oh, interesting. yeah you yeah. know it, and and it you know physically it allows you to do incredibly physical demanding feats all these pole tricks I mean how, what fun what gymnastic great fun to build your upper body strength and you know all the regular things that I could say about pole dancing mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. it's demanding yes it's you know physical and um Man, upper body strength for sure. Um, but but symbolically, which is what I think is probably the, the real question, I, mm-hmm. I think that it's because it's such a strong symbol. It really, oh it, it's like this fast track conduit to like, oh, what you, where are you coming into this room with? You got some fear? You got some judgment? You got some numbness? What do you got? What do you got? You know, the pole is just going to cut right to that. And you're either going to reject it and you're going to walk out of the room and you're going to say, what a bunch of idiots, those women dancing Mm -hmm. around the pole. Or you're going to open up, you're going to allow, which hopefully your teachers made an environment where you can try to do that. And you can work with what comes up.
0: Yeah.
1: Look at that
0: and and allow yourself time for healing. Yeah. That's what. The healing and the empowerment comes in if you allow it it's so great yeah um, let me say um a few more times here um, <laughs> um, um, I want to uh, ask you a few more questions here if I may
1: ask away
0: how do you on a hyatt on the daily celebrate your feminine
1: <laughs> how do I do that? Great really? question. I don't know. Um, you know, I keep an altar that helps me try to remember myself <laughs> when I'm mm. when I'm floating away into anxiety and judgment and um, feelings of unworthiness and feelings of I should be doing more or less or something different. You know, I I do try to reflect daily. And I use different things. Things come and go. I mean, I pull animal cards. I have goddess cards that I just got out that I haven't pulled in 13 years that I'm pulling again. Um, so mm. those help me. I I occasionally decide I need to wear jewelry today. Um, mm. I need to wear red lipstick today. Um, or sometimes like it it just it's different every day. I think I think the one strand of commonality there would be that I honor my feminine by just by just listening to my own creativity and my own heart. Mm. And so some days it means I'm gonna put on like a really intense, crazy, all red outfit and wear it to the grocery store. Um, and some days I'm just gonna wear Adidas shorts and. No makeup and my hair in a bun, and that's that's how I'm going to be that day. So I think it's just letting myself flow with all the ways I am, and not trying to pick one. Um, that's that that flow and that ever changing chameleon, Pisces way being like water. You know, that's just it's just what I got to mm-hmm. do. I've got to let myself be different every day.
0: Um, do you feel like, uh, well, let's, how do you celebrate your masculine? You know, we are all, we all flow in the masculine yeah. and we all, that realm. I don't think anybody does not male or female slip slide back and forth from feminine to masculine. That's just
1: how I yeah. feel. How do you feel? You know, how you it's celebrate? interesting. I feel like, okay, then I'd have to def- what would be masculine or like, I think you're right. I would say inside of every moment where I'm feeling my feminine, let's just say I'm pole dancing, you know, let's say I'm dancing and I'm in my body flow and I'm wearing my most soft and feminine outfit. There's a piece of me that's masculine too. You know, maybe like often my hands feel very masculine to me Uh, the way they, Mm. you know, the way they are, <laughs> the way they can grasp the way they can push, you know, just something, some part of my body will feel masculine while another part is feeling feminine. And it's kind of the play between the two that really makes me mm. tick. Um, part of my, you know, personality that lives. And let's say like, where can I put the masculine? Like what is masculine? You know, if, If the feminine is like the Dionysian, you know, like, because I'm reading this book right now that I know you're reading too. And it's reminding me of like, okay, Dionysus versus Apollonian ways. and If I can take that classical definition where the feminine is dissolving into no boundaries, into formlessness and chaos and wildness and nature, then the Apollonian is the individual and the asserting of the Mm -hmm. self and you know I've got both Mm -hmm. I've totally got both um you know I and I get to use them inner you know interplaying throughout the day um you know I pull out my masculine when I'm speaking with authority um I Mm, pull out my masculine when I'm holding my ground um but is that is that maybe I you know is that my masculine? I don't know. Um, I I don't know. <laughs> but I they're know. both there. I, I mean, I couldn't I, live without I, these two I, parts. Like they're both me. Yeah, it, yeah. Those I feel
0: are labels that we've given those attributes to. Those attributes. Yeah. Are they masculine? Are they feminine? It's what we have label them as such. I agree. Mean it's wrong it doesn't mean it's wrong and you 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 know Where's my phone? 10. Sorry about that. Um, yeah. <laughs> um how I I'm going to just do one more nice deep question with you and then we're going to get to some um lighter topics, but how do you feel you celebrate your feminine or your masculine? In partnership with
1: your husband, oh, wow, great question! Or maybe
0: in partnership with your
1: business partner, oh, god, sure, we are definitely two <laughs> boys inside of female bodies. Yeah, um, <laughs> uh-huh. I mean, I am attracted to people who can play with these roles. I would not mm-hmm. do well in a partnership with um, anybody who was very attached to their masculine or feminine role. Um, so that's true of you, my 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 work wife. And it's totally mm-hmm. true of Josh as well, my husband.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so what I love is I feel like we're little flickering candles of you know, little little moments of like high femme with little moments of 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 masculine toughness and it's all mixing together and you know in one moment. There's just the softest little um, wilting, you know, flower, and then in the next moment, it's just like a totally prickly cactus. You know, I mean, the, it's it's so mm. flowing. Um, so I think that I am attracted to people who have both elements inside of them, and they can play at the edges of their of these roles. Mm. When when someone is cannot play. Meaning they're taking this role so seriously that I can't Mm -hmm. play with my role, then I don't want to be in relationship with that person. So with my husband, you know, we take turns supporting each other, listening, um, being soft for each other. You know, I might be a little better at that. (laughs) So there, maybe there's a bit of (laughs) my feminine coming through um but we also you know take turns kicking each other in the ass a little bit and reminding each other who we are and you know we're mm-hmm. we're always doing a dance of of listening and allowing and then pushing and then opening with each other and you know sometimes the dance is really helpful in bringing us closer i think you know as long as As long as whatever we're doing is in the service of our connection, then it feels right. Whether he's more soft or I'm more soft, you know, we have our different ways in which we show up for each other at different times. Um, You know, I'm a night person. He's a morning person. Um, I'm a real hard-edged person in the morning. He's kind of like, hey, honey, want some coffee? And he makes it. (laughs) <laughs> he makes me coffee every morning, you know? I mean, these are little little ways we fulfill these roles for each other. Um, so they're all in little ways, and we just flip-flop back and forth. And the more we know each other, the better we get at showing mm-hmm. up in the spaces for each other. But it's very hard to say. I don't have a traditionally, you know, super feminine role in my family. But, you know, in some in some ways I do. And, and I hopefully can enjoy that moment. I'm choosing it. I'm playing with it. Um, occasionally, I do feel a little subjugated when I'm cleaning the bathroom for the hundredth time. <laughs> you know, yes, I have that going on yeah. too. I am not free of this yeah. freaking world. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's there from society. And yet my husband makes more money yeah. than I do. So yeah. now we're sheltering in place. Who's going to do the homeschooling? Me. <laughs> but um, in terms of our real connection, like that, that's pretty far from how I feel. Our, our true connection doesn't rely too much on one of us being one way and one of us being another way. Mm-hmm. And with you, same thing. You know, we get to be I, I mean, I just feel like you and I just walk into a room and now we're like this and we walk into a different room and now we're like that. And now we're, you know, now you're underneath the pole, putting it together and banging with a hammer and walking around in your steel toed boots. And, um you know, now you're, and now we're in our high heeled <laughs> shoes dancing around in a <laughs> silk slip. And yeah. that's that's what I want, you know.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and that was our – that was the key to the naming of our um, business, for lack of a better word, the alt-feminine. Yeah. Um, well, we can um, venture into that as its own True. podcast one day. I want to yeah. ask a couple, couple more questions about okay. on So right now, what I want to know – um. What music are you into
1: right oh, now? Oh yay, music! Oh, music. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, I am circulating between a new artist I found who I just think is talk about feminine man. This is just the flowing feminine, high fem vibration, gorgeous. Her name's um, K- oh now I'm gonna forget her name, Khadija let me look on Spotify. We'll have to edit that in. you just going to come to me. So here I am saying the word Khadija. Can't remember. Um, but she sounds like. She probably has the. The chops of an operatic singer. She's just like. an a ah. super amazing vocalist. It's like listening to her voice. Is it's silken. You know she is beautiful. And it's. It's this great hybrid of um, R&B with psychedelic um, uh, Stevie Wonder undertones. It's so great. Oh, my.
0: I you would love it. That. Oh, it's
1: so great. Listen to her song Delphine, which it's okay. just beautiful. Um, yeah, that's a great, spacious, feminine moment. Um, I've also been listening to um, Rosalia, who is another high femme – goddess uh, with a ton of masculine energy too she's um spanish and and when i say spanish i'm gonna say she's catalonian and she's doing this great new thing with flamenco i think she has very traditional flamenco roots and she's bringing flamenco to new levels mixing it with hip-hop mixing it with Music from the Dominican Republic, and um, she's just badass. And you know, I feel really inspired just- by her.
0: We have a favor and say her name again Rosalia.
1: Yeah, Rosalia. she's got one of those one name names like Cher or Madonna. She's just Rosalia. Rosalia, she's amazing.
0: You always yeah you always give me great ideas for music okay
1: um oh khadijah who's the person you look like deb from the cosby show what's her last name
0: well back in the 80s lisa bonet Bonet.
1: khadijah bonet that's her name khadijah bonet wow Wow. okay shout out to lisa Um, bonet She's always <laughs> not a musician. Well, maybe she is a musician. I guess she is. But um, she just inspires me.
0: Yeah, I don't, I don't think she is. Um, <laughs> how? What, I love her. <laughs> are you listening to any other podcasts besides ours?
1: I am listening to the Be Here Now Network. And I'm listening to Old Ram Das quite a lot. Mm-hmm. Quite a lot. Um, it's been super helpful with my parenting um it's been super Mm -hmm. helpful with my relationships and it's been really helpful during the coronavirus shutdown um Uh to just deepen my spirituality and just it just puts my head in the place it needs to be to accept any form of change so it's great Uh I love Ram Dass I've been loving Ram Dass forever so he's he's raging back into my brain and it's been really good. Um, I would love to listen to some other podcasts, but I don't have time right now. Um, mm. But I don't know. That's the one. Ram Das, the Be Here Now rep- Network. Love it.
0: Um, okay. Quick question. Quick question. What is your favorite body part? Your own body part. Oh. Of your body part. Which is your? Do
1: I have to pick one?
0: I'm also gonna couple this. So, favorite body part, and you can say why. And has this changed as you've gotten older, especially now that you've been immersed in empowering women for all these years, or is it a work in progress? So, what's your favoriteest body part? Oh my god! I know.
1: All my life, I've liked my shoulders. Um, mm-hmm. I was told early on I have great shoulders so maybe that's why <laughs> Um, but I like them you know they're strong I like their strength There, mm. there's your masculinity yeah. question when am I in my masculinity like doing my huh. upper body push-ups yeah my shoulders my shoulders feel capable to me and so that, that feels great who doesn't like to feel capable I love my hands and feet I like high use parts of my body that's you know you're here you're getting like the part of me that is like you know um eastern european like (laughs) I'm ready to like you know plow the fields and work like a 16 hour day and then get up and do it again like that is there's a deep deep worker inside of me like a marxist proletariat like I've got that so yeah, I mean, I just I love and I love that in other people. I love hands, I love feet, and I love shoulders. I and en- and you've always, you've always loved that. I have always loved that. I think what I am in. I think to answer the second part of your question, I endeavor to love the softer parts of me. It's much easier mm-hmm. for me to love the harder parts of my body. Um, mm-hmm. You know, my soft belly my soft inner thigh you know i i appreciate them and every once in a while i feel like we're friends and then sometimes we're not friends and i just i just work mm. with, with trying to embrace the softer elements of my body i'm much more attracted and easily and much more attached to hardness in myself so mm-hmm. um i think learning to love softness and is a is an ongoing project for me
0: yeah and you you've um decorated
1: I have that's right I have a hip um a giant hip tattoo and that actually really helped me to embrace a little bit more of that curve of the hip I mean, I really Mm -hmm. wanted to, really wanted to, because for me, when I, when I first think I'm going to get a tattoo, oh, it's going to be like on my arm and it's going to be like how probably, you know, MMA dudes think about tattoos. (laughs) I'm like, God, okay, you know, let's try to think about this differently. So I really intentionally got a tattoo that I felt was pretty feminine in its curvature. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's changed. It's definitely helped me to see that part of myself. Um, with more softness Um, and then I always like I learned this from you I put my special god's eye uh, body butter which is you know expensive I put it so that you know I would normally you know deprive myself of it since it's expensive Um, but instead of doing that I'm putting it on my belly and I put it right over my c-section scar yeah yeah,
0: that through a freaking human. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not. I'm not gonna interject my two cents about my feelings, but I'm gonna interject the next time we're dancing together. Yeah, do it. <laughs> <laughs> um. All right. Well, thank you for that. Don't go away just yet. I'm gonna leave you on this note what does your perfect day look mm. like? If you could have any day in the whole wide world, we're not in shelter in place. You can anything, anything at all.
1: What would your perfect day look mm. like? I'd like to be able to sleep until eight o'clock, maybe even eight thirty. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like to wake up and have coffee. I mean, it's, gonna be a little bit like oh it's what I do every day I really like what I do so (laughs) I would have coffee (laughs) with my husband um I would go outside and experience something great outside before it's too hot or too middle of the day I would like to move my body and be in nature and have some kind of outdoor adventure and so maybe I'm at home and I'm doing that or maybe I'm any I could be anywhere Wherever I am, I'm gonna go into the jungle, I'm gonna go on the ocean, i'm gonna go into the forest. It doesn't matter. I'm just gonna go outside, and I'm gonna have some kind of great outdoor moment um and then I'd like to come back and um read my book <laughs> um and yeah. then i'd like I'd like my kid to do whatever he's doing because he's part of my life, and I can't really imagine the day without him but he's going to go do something great and then I'm going to get to have sex in the middle of the day. Yeah. Oh, wow. That's part of it. I want to have midday sex.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Um, and then when that's over, I want to get up and have delicious food that mm-hmm. I didn't have to prepare. Um, right. Like what? Mm, I would like there to be like a mix of fruit and chocolate and cheese and crackers Mm. and like maybe even like some delicious um italian prosciutto like really great simple high quality ingredients would like all those just laid out Mm. before me and um i would also like to eat it outside on a patio of some sort that's got no bees or flies (laughs) yeah um and then i might like to um just eat that delicious food. I love to cook, but um, for this perfect day, um, I'm going to go out to dinner with my whole family. Mm -hmm. And I think when I get there, I think I'd like to have my extended family there too, meeting me at the restaurant of my choice. We're all going to meet. We're going to have a giant dinner. It's going to be great. It's going to be outdoors. There's going to be lights in the trees. It's going to be a delicious Mm -hmm. meal. We're going to stay up late. Everyone's going to behave. And... We're going to have some wine. and It'll be a great family moment. And then since we're at this outdoor restaurant, we get to get up and leave. Nobody has to do any cleanup. I'm yeah. going to take a night walk. Um, it's going to be a beautiful, warm night. Um, I'm going to get to look at something beautiful like the ocean at night with the moon on it. And then I'm going to climb into bed with my husband and fall asleep. I was it's like, a good day, awesome right?
0: Sounds like a real yeah. good day. Fabulous day! Oh, I
1: could just picture it. you could be there at my big, um, giant. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm it's like to. it's. I already, yeah,
0: I already have picked out.
1: For you for have an sure. outfit picked out for my imaginary dinner.
0: Yeah. Um. So we have just a couple more minutes. You and Josh are such great parents. You're doing the work. You know when you don't when you're not exactly sure what to do, you ask for help. I see you guys working so hard to be a better couple and better parents and do everything that you need to do to bring this kid up to be a great adult man when he gets there. And I just commend you guys for that. And I love you both for that. Is there, if there is like a sliver of wisdom that you can share with newer parents, you know, who maybe have a toddler or, a new baby. What would that be? I know you've got lots of wisdom because mm-hmm. you know you're you're, seven years, you're 8 years mm-hmm. into it. What could you share with somebody who's just starting out?
1: Um everybody let's see what different people have different things available to them. Um you know, if you're in a couple, I'd say, you know, see a counselor. <laughs> Earlier, like, I, I think that that would be the one thing I'd say for all parents is that don't wait till you're just so wrung out that you are crawling into the help you need, whether it's a counselor or it's a therapist or a spiritual advisor or a therapist for your kid or, you know, at the very least, read books about parenting. Um Mm-hmm. I I think it's helpful to get professional help and not just rely on your own upbringing or your family or your friends or a community yeah. of parents because so much of parenting is about getting out of the judgment you feel or what you feel, you know, just there's so much judgment that you have for yourself, for others that's coming at you. It's so great to have someone wise who you can feel is seeing you for who you truly are help you along with whatever it is you're going through. So, you know, I love parent communities and all that stuff. It's great, but I just think if you can afford it, if you can find a way to get some help from the outside, that is like a professional person who has Mm -hmm. studied child development, who really cares, who really Makes it their business to see you and give you great advice. I just think that's been the most, the single most helpful thing um, I've done is just ask someone else who was outside of my circle so that I could really hear them and I felt that they could really see me. And that's when I feel like, you know, started to be able to reflect on things and do better for myself. So I would just say, yeah get some help. You don't need to be in a dire situation to to need help. Being a new parent in and of itself means you probably need help. <laughs> it's yeah. like it's a crisis, yeah. you know. It, it's like if you're brand new first baby, get get some help. It's a grab, a grab. Yeah, bag. just get some yeah, do some counseling. It's so useful.
0: Oh, that is great advice. This has been a really fun hour with you and we could just chat for hours and hours and yeah. hours.
1: <laughs> it's been great. I leave it at this for now. And thank you so much, Deb, for your great thoughtful questions. They really made me they really made me think.
0: hmm Great. I'm glad you liked yeah. it. I'm glad you liked the interrogation.
1: I love to be interrogated. Awesome.
0: <laughs> Fun to um, reflect back. Totally. And and put some clear words to your own biography.
1: Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. it's interesting. Interview me again in five years; it'll sound totally different. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're gonna still be doing this. In five oh, totally. Years love it.
0: We have to start teaching the next generation of movement educators.
1: Yeah. Yes. We really do, Deb. I'm so. Moving right
0: along.
1: It's so important. God. I don't know. I've learned so much about the importance of all of this just by not having it available. You know, it's such a great mm-hmm. lesson, Uh, you know being deprived of the thing you took for granted you know you you start to see what was that doing for me and everyone else I know and man
0: absolutely
1: it's it's so important to move um your body
0: (laughs) yeah it's important to move your body and I think um movement just for the sake of movement is fine but it's also great when you can find yourself an instructor who has been putting in the work to expand their knowledge beyond just yoga or just pole dance or just, you know, picking up a weight because there's so much more to that. We're Our humans are so much deeper than that. Yeah. All of those places have a place.
1: Yes, yeah. You know, I would say we're yeah. what we're doing is like we're using the physical. To get to the big human picture you know we're not just Mm -hmm. staying we're not staying on one plane of consciousness or one plane of physicality like we're weaving together many planes of reality Um, and I feel like that's that's what people feel is like wow something deep is getting woven into the present moment and it's picking up a piece of my past and a piece Mm -hmm. of my desires and a piece of my fear and it's all coming together And I'm moving through it and you come out the other end feeling changed, feeling more in touch with yourself, more trusting of the group around you and just more able to be present. And it's not, um, that's not achievable when you're just, you know, trying to get a toned, but I mean,
0: yeah. Such a small box. You can't even move around in that tiny little yeah, box. Yeah,
1: you know, it all goes together, <laughs> and it requires people who. That's what I want for people. I want them to have a toned mm-hmm. butt too.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's byproduct. Yeah,
1: the byproduct.
0: Uh, but the I love is, that about you. Um, it, yeah, you know. Oh, are we? Oh, there we go. I almost lost you. Um. Yeah, it's all about um not necessarily taking control taking back control of your life but
1: there is um, no control of your life.
0: (laughs) Yeah, we want to (laughs) be living, breathing embodiments of the you know, the the way our the way our work influences us and influences our students, hopefully to a better um healthier mental outlook right and healing all that stuff comes together in the pieces of the puzzle in
1: the big yeah. picture and it and butt. butt
0: and lift those butt cheeks up you to will your feel better if your are strong.
1: strong in a, in a multitude of oh, ways oh let's talk,
0: let's talk about strong glutes when you oh old. my
1: god yeah I what's it like
0: old <laughs> with muscle <laughs> I don't want to no. fall down. I want to, I yeah, I want to be able to
1: get up out of that yep. chair. Get up out <laughs> of that chair. Get up. Oh. Hey, get up, get on up. <laughs> that would be a hilarious um, video or like sit and be fit little montage you could do. Get up, get on up, mm. out of your chair, and you could just be doing a whole getting up and yeah. down out of your chair. I'm yeah,
0: I will actually give that to people sometimes. This is all you need to do. Sit down, get back up. Sit down, get back up. <sighs> if that's all you do today, do ten. Tw- do five of these, and then we'll do Oh ten. my
1: god! All right. Well,
0: rest of your day consists. Sounds of great. Day.
1: Good job. Okay. I think we've got a lot of material okay. to work with.
0: Oh, I will. I'm going to edit this. Oh, my God. I'm so impressed.
1: When you figure out the editing, because I didn't try that hard, but I did look around and I'm like, I can't, I don't know. I can't figure it out. But. um, Well, were you on your
0: phone? Yeah, I think
1: you're right. That's what Josh said. He's like, get off your phone. Do it on your computer. I'm like, oh, okay. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So much easier. I agree. So.